What would you do if you fell face first into a city? And then we traveled to South Africa to take a look at an urban legend involving a bus, a cat, and you being violently assaulted. And then we traveled to Russia to meet a man who has a close encounter of the turned kind. Turned into a clone. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having lots of fun in the sun, doing what you're doing. It's almost fall. It's almost time for the spookiest month of the year, October. And we don't know. I always say I'm going to do a theme. I'm going to watch spooky movies every day. I don't know. You guys will be lucky if I remember to do a Halloween episode. Every episode's a Halloween episode, but I never am able to schedule a special. But you know what I am able to schedule? A warm welcome for one of our Legacy Patreon supporters. Give it on up for user 125. Everyone give a round of applause to user 125 as they walk into Dead Rabbit Command. User 125, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. I'm also thinking about setting up a... What's the thing where it's just like a one-time donation thing? Like a GoFundMe? I really want a... Uh, what are those? A stair machine. I really want like a, an indoor stair machine. You're like, Jason, seriously, we're not going to donate money. We're not going to give you $1,200 to get exercise we don't want you to live long no i really want a stair machine it's going to get cold soon and i don't want to walk on the stairs but i'm probably i'm probably too lazy to write up the gofundme but uh, we'll see we'll see maybe uh user 125 let's go ahead and give you the keys to the jason jalopy we are going to leave behind dead rabbit command we are headed all the way out to australia <laughs> User 125 is driving us all the way down there. We get on a ferry at some point, and we take a boat most of the way. we got to use one of our boat vehicles, but we didn't. We're specifically headed out to Northwest. That's an area in Western Australia. It's December 1984. It's nighttime, and there's a dude working in the field. He has, like, the rake or, like, the hoe or another one of the multitude of instruments that farmer... I don't know if this guy's a farmer. It just said in the notes he was working in a field. We'll call him Daniel. We don't even have a name for this guy. But Daniel's working in the field, and he's walking. He's like, all in a good day's work. I don't know what I do. He has a farmer instrument, and then he has, I don't know, like a Geiger counter. He's like, I don't know what exactly what my job is. I just work in a field. And as he's walking through the field at night, he trips. Whoa! And he lands... On the ground. What, you think he's going to fly away? You think this is some sort of paranormal podcast? He lands on the ground and he goes, oh man, what the heck? And he looks over to see what he tripped on. He tripped on a fence. He goes, Jason, that's not paranormal. Well, you didn't let me finish. The picket fence was tiny. (laughs) You're like, Jason, that's still not paranormal. You didn't let me finish. The picket fence was like for like tiny, like ant-sized people maybe not ant-sized people they were like an inch or two tall yeah see now now it's paranormal there's like a fence he realized that he tripped over save your question save your question so the end okay because when i read this story and i typed up the notes i was like oh this is fascinating but now i'm saying it out loud okay just wait till the end it's very short 
He says he tripped on this one-inch, two-inch tall fence, and he landed in the middle of this tiny person city. And as he's laying on the ground, he sees little buses driving through the city and little people getting on the buses and then going to work. He's like, what? And then he gets up, and he realizes like he must have landed on something because he has five vertical lines on his forehead, similar to like a barcode. And for years after this event, he had those lines. And everyone would be like, hey, hey, Daniel Linehead, that's your new name. Your children are the Lineheads. Hey, how'd you get those lines in your head? And he goes, you guys wouldn't believe it. One day I was walking, and I tripped on a fence. And they go, that's not paranormal. And he goes, I didn't tell you, <laughs> I didn't tell you how big the fence was. Okay, so <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole story. <laughs> that's the whole story, but give me a second. When I read that, I got it from ThinkAboutItDocs.com, one of my favorite websites. They got it from a journal or a magazine called Western Australia UFO Sightings, maybe a website, but super specific. It's only for that region of Australia. When I read the story, I go, dude, isn't that dope? Like, imagine, imagine if I could crush a city. That's the thing. When I was reading this, I go, wait a second. I've tripped on a lot of stuff in my life, but I haven't tripped something that's only like an inch or two tall. He doesn't actually even say how small these people are. They do talk about Gulliver's Travels. And he, they use the term tiny. So I don't think they were like three feet tall. I don't think these are like little people. Like dwarfs. I think it was like tiny people. But how would you trip on a fence that's only an inch tall? And then he falls and he hits the city. Like wouldn't, wouldn't they all be panicked? Wouldn't they just realize this giant guy fell on like half of their population, but they're still getting on buses and driving around? As I was reading the story out loud, I go, okay, what probably happened was he probably conked his head so hard, he hallucinated. I had a friend of mine named Ron got on a motorcycle accident once, and he fell off his bike. He didn't fall off his bike. He got on a horrible accident, and he flew off of his bike, and he said, and I flew all the way into a pumpkin patch. But there was no pumpkin patches. He goes, I, I sat up and I looked and as far as the eye could see, I saw pumpkins. And then like people people were running up to me, the great pumpkins, like, are you okay? Are you okay? He says, people started like talking to me and I realized I wasn't in a pumpkin patch. I was actually on the side of I-80 in Sacramento. So that's what I'm thinking. But then you go, Jason, where did the five vertical lines come from? And I go, I don't think they came from a tiny picket fence. But maybe. I, I guess I just have some questions about this story. Like, how do you trip on something so small? How do they not freak out when you destroy half of their civilization? But, that all being said, it is quite cute and quaint. We don't run across a lot of those stories here on Dead Rabbit Radio. I was like, oh, tiny... okay, he did, he did kill half their population. They're probably still rebuilding. But I would like to see more stories where there's just like tiny people going about their business. They're not abducting no one. They're not pushing over a bus. We covered that story where there was like a bus in Peru. I'll try to find it for the show notes. It was like driving up a cliff and a bunch of dwarfs came out of the mountain and pushed the bus over. Like, it's just nice to have a story where just a man stumbles and destroys a city. But I like tiny people. I don't like fairies and stuff like that. I think that stuff's kind of lame. But wouldn't it be cool if every so often you could just look down and you see a bunch of little people walking around? So that is why I included that story today. You're like, Jason, do you have some sort of tiny person fetish? No, I do not. I know a lot of times I get accused of being a scaly for having a fetish for hot reptilian females. That's not true either. But let's go ahead and move as my eyes shift from side to side. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. 
user125. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought. We haven't used this vehicle in a long time. It's our battleship. We're going to leave behind Western Australia. We are headed on out to South Africa. We're headed to South Africa. I came across this story recently. I was looking online. They had a thread about African folklore. There's a lot of really interesting stuff, but this one really stood out to me. This was the story of the minibus legend. And this story came from a user named Winnie Blue Sevent. Winnie Blue Sevent was telling the story that in the big cities in South Africa, like Johannesburg and Durba, this story has gone around. That sometimes you'll be walking around town and you're like, you know what I really want? You know what I really hate doing? Walking. I've been doing this a lot. I want to take the minibus. And I looked them up. They're like shuttles. In most parts of the world, I think that's the terminology. It's like basically like a long van. They can fit like eight to ten people in them. It's one of the primary methods, uh, if not the primary method of mass transportation in South Africa, is the minibus taxi. And you stand on the street corner, this bus pulls up. You get on it, there's other riders with you, so it's, it's not like a taxi or an Uber or anything like that. But the legend is like this. You're in the minibus taxi and it's driving you to your destination. And you start, you're not really paying attention, right? You're not really paying attention. And at one point you look back and you realize you're the only person on the minibus. What? I swear, I just got on and this minibus is full of people. Where did everyone go? I don't even remember it stopping multiple times. It's not like you figure they got off. They're just not there. And it is very disquieting. You also notice now that the minibus doesn't seem to be driving towards your destination. It seems to be driving down abandoned streets of Johannesburg. And you didn't really even know there were abandoned streets in Johannesburg. It's a big city. But you seem to be traveling down this route that you've never been down before. You didn't even know existed. So you get up from your seat and you begin walking through the minibus to go talk to the driver. Hey, man, where are we? That's my first question. The second question is, where would everyone else go? And when you get to the front of the minibus where the driver is, there's just a cat sitting in the driver's seat. You go, okay, now, now I have three questions. The cat looks at you, hisses. The next thing you know, you're outside of the minibus taxi. You're on the side of the street in the middle of nowhere. At best, you've been robbed. There are stories that sometimes people wake up outside of this minibus taxi in the middle of nowhere. They've also been raped. This story is so interesting because it has all the trappings of a typical urban legend. It's a cautionary tale. Cautionary tale, be careful what minibus taxi you get in. Don't get into cat bus taxi because the cat's probably driving that. But no, pay attention to your surroundings. If you start to notice stuff suspicious, get out. If you notice the bus is taking you down, you know what I mean? Like There's all of these cautionary tales that you could tell a kid, you could tell a teenager... Being like, hey, if you ever decide... It's a little heavy-handed because most urban legends don't involve you getting sexually assaulted. But it is... The, the moral of the story is pay attention to your surroundings. At the same time, it has this level of like urban magic. Which is something we don't see enough of in urban legends. It's for my liking. I really like the idea of urban magic. We've covered a couple stories about urban cryptids and um, like ho stuff eating hobos. We've covered stuff like that. Shape-shifting as homeless people. We've covered a lot of those. 
those type of stories, cryptids in the big city. I'll try to find them for the show notes, but we've there's been so many. But not enough. So many times the cryptids are out in the middle of nowhere, or these stories take place, these urban legends take place at lakes. you got to watch out for the lake because there's the monster there. you got to watch out for Crybaby Bridge and things like this. They're always in remote locations, and I find it so fascinating when they take place in the big city. Really the place where you should feel the most safe. Now, not the most safe from street crime, because crime rates are skyrocketing, but the most safe from monsters. Like, what's interesting about the story is it doesn't involve a minibus taxi taking you between the big cities. And then you're out in the boonies. You're out in the boondocks and something bad happens. And the moral of the story is those outsiders aren't as cool as us city folk. The story, the city is where it's taking place. So it's just a great urban legend. And then, is it true? Because this is a paranormal podcast and we believe in the paranormal, it's in the realm of possibility. I'm not I'm not saying sell your stock in minibus taxis if you own stock. I'm saying that if we already believe in the idea of ghosts and realms and tiny little people that we can squish, you could easily see this being the work of a sorcerer. Instead of having a Venus flytrap, it's a bus. It's something that's a something that people need in the area. And you get on it, but it's actually a trap. The other passengers are just illusions. You get on, you feel safety in numbers, but really you're headed towards a destination that, again, at best, you lose all your money. So fascinating story, most likely a folk tale to remind people to be aware of their surroundings. However, you can never discount the idea that darker forces may be involved. User 125, let's go ahead and leave behind South Africa. I'm going to toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are headed out to Bezhetsk. Russia. User 125 is totally shrugging his shoulders. I, dude, you have to learn how to pronounce this stuff if you expect me to fly there. We're headed to the Tiver region in Russia, if that helps a little bit better. It's April 23rd, 1997. And in the town of Bezhetska, there's a man named Igor Yutkin. He's in his apartment, just chilling, having a good time. I actually, they don't actually say what his mental state was. He could have been really, really depressed. But we'll assume he's just sitting there. He has a nice cup of tea, enjoying the night. All of a sudden, though, that's going to end, that's going to end very, very soon. A blue light penetrates his ceiling. And he says it's pointing down like a stalactite. And then all of a sudden, it becomes solid. And a man and two women step out of the beam of light. So whether or not he's horribly depressed or having a great night, he's definitely in shock right now. And he's sitting there, and it takes him just a brief second to figure out the pecking order here. He immediately realizes who's in charge. It's one of the women. She's five foot five, and she's described as having... They're human. They're humanoid, at least. She has an elongated face, medium-sized dark eyes. I don't... I'm reading the description in the order that, that it was given to me, okay? This is exactly how you described it, and you guys will see the error. You guys will see why this is not the correct way to do this. She's five foot five, with an elongated face, medium-sized round dark eyes, no hair on her head. And she's bald. She's wearing a hat like a cow- 
She's wearing a hat like a Catholic bishop. And she's green. Which one would you wear? <laughs> if, if you saw this woman as I described her, would you start off with, well, she had a nice hat? Or would you be like, listen, bro, I'm sitting in my apartment, I'm crippling depression, and then all of a sudden some green chick showed up. By the way, all that other stuff. She was five foot five. She had, start off with the green. Start off with the green skin. But she is humanoid. She has that green skin. My scaly fetish my scaly fetish senses are tingling. She's green. She's wearing a red. She's wearing a light green dress as well, which could you imagine being walking around and wearing clothes your same skin color? Like exact same skin color? That seems so bizarre. But anyways, she I, I wear khaki shorts. I'm not khaki colored, okay? But she's wearing a green dress. She has a red cloak on. She's very Christmas-themed. And she's holding a scepter. That could have been the giveaway that she was the leader. But anyways, this green gal shows up and she tells Igor telepathically that her name is Zuri from the planet Galea. And she goes, Igor, you should leave Earth with us. Come, come with us because you're going to suffer a lot through life. But if you come with us, we're going to get rid of those sufferings. She actually keeps using these words, suffer and sufferings. You can decrease your sufferings if you come with us. And Igor is sitting there and he goes, I can't. I can't go with you. Because if I leave, it may decrease my sufferings, but my family will suffer. Because they'll miss me. They'll never know what happened to me. I'll just vanish. Zuri goes, we have a way around that. You see, what we can do is we can take you with us. No one will ever notice you're gone. He's like, oh, I'm sure some people will notice. He goes, yes, yes. People wouldn't notice you were gone in that sense. But we actually have bio-robots. And what we can do is we can incarnate another soul into this bio-robot that looks exactly like you. No one will be able to tell the difference. No one will miss you. And she says, you can leave and not suffer. Come with us, Igor. And Igor looks at Zuri and says, no. I want to stay here. I'm not leaving. Zuri and her two compatriots walk back into the beam of light and they disappear. And the whole interaction took about five minutes. Igor said the very next night, April 24th, He's sitting there in his living room, and for just a flash, Zuri appeared again. She saw He saw her for just a split second, and then she was gone forever. That's another story, actually. I, I usually don't plan it this way. That's another story I got from ThinkAboutItDocs.com. They got it from Pavel Hylov and Anton Anfalov. They're both UFO researchers. In Eastern Europe, we've covered other stuff that they've they've talked about before. This is one of these stories I've had on the docket for a long time I've wanted to share with you guys because the implications are really, really unsettling. The first thing is, is their ability to... There's a couple different things going on, so let's break it down like this. One, they come down to ease Igor's sufferings. That term's used a lot in this. You have to wonder why Igor... Two, how do they know Igor is going to suffer in the future? 
Like they're trying to alleviate obstacles he's going to face in the future. So how do they know what's going to happen in the future? But then we go, they can clone people. I mean, you would you assume aliens have alien technology that they can teleport, they can travel the speed of light, they can beam through apartment ceilings. So why wouldn't they be able to clone? We would it would make sense they'd be able to clone. But perfect duplicates of people, sure, that's sci-fi level technology. But this is a duplicate. That is you. So you go with them and your clone is left behind and no one knows. How do we know the true number of people who have traveled away with aliens? A person's only missing when they're missing, when you can't find them. If one of your loved ones one night is visited by these people and go, you're right, I don't want to suffer. You got a bio robot that looks just like me. Leave him here and no one will know. Yeah, I'm out. And then you go visit your dad or your uncle or your mom or your niece or whatever, and it's not them. I mean, it is. For all intents and purposes, if you did any sort of DNA test on them, it's them. But it's not them. Or not really them. I mean, okay, don't go chasing your niece with a hammer now. And you're like, I'm going to find out what's really behind the alien agenda. But what if it happens far more often than we think? And they're just getting replaced with these bio-robots. I mean, you could have mass abductions every single day. We wouldn't know because the people aren't missing. Secondly, she showed back up and then she disappeared in a flash. So when I read that, I had something pop in my head. And when I told you that, you might have had the same suspicion. Igor is a clone now. Igor, now is a clone. When she came back, Igor Prime, the real Igor, agreed to go with her. The bio-clone was left behind, thinking he was the real Igor. Seeing her disappear in a flash was the ending of that conversation between Igor Prime and Zuri. And the clone has a brief memory of it, and that's it. And the clone goes, well, I guess she popped back in. I don't know why she was here. I mean, even though she was here yesterday to clone me and to take me away, this time she just showed up and did neither of those things, so everything's okay. But he's the clone. The perfect clone wouldn't know they were a clone. The real Igor, Igor Prime, is not suffering. He's in the stars with Zuri. Perfect clone wouldn't know it's a clone. This could be happening all the time and we wouldn't know because we don't know people are missing. We don't know to investigate it. What happens when the world is more clone than human? What if that's not even a what if? Let's say that's the case. 30%, imagine that. Imagine if 30% of the humans on planet Earth... Conspiracy caps fully on. Again, I don't want you to walk around with a crossbow going, Jason told me everyone's a clone. Conspiracy caps fully on. If this has been going on, let's say, most generous estimates, this has been going on since the 1950s. Betty and Barney Hill, first alien encounter with a human, I think was like 50s, late 50s, early 60s. We go Forget ancient aliens, I'm just being conservative here. Betty and Barney Hill, till now, that's still about a 50, 60-year window of aliens abducting people. I mean, how many clones would be out there? What if it is down to 30% original humans? 
or less. Because we wouldn't know we were the clone. Statistically, at this point, again, Conspiracy Cat's fully on. What if I'm the clone? What if you're the clone? And we're going about our clone lives. And the real us are partying on some planet. Not suffering. But the clones are left here to continue to suffer. This is where insanity begins. Having this belief that you're the only real person. It's a... It's actually a really key part of, of insane behavior. But Conspiracy Caps Fully On will indulge and will wrap the episode up like this. The next time you're looking in the mirror, look a little closer. See if there's an imperfection that you didn't notice before. See if there's a clue that you're not the same person you were just yesterday. But maybe their technology is perfect and you can't spot a flaw. Once again, reassuring you that you are the real you. But what would be better? To know for sure that you were a clone and another version of yourself was celebrating life in a world with no suffering? Or never knowing the truth? Not knowing why you are experiencing all the sufferings you are. But you are put through these trials and tribulations. So the real you can travel the stars. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.